Do you want to see a Star War? The tickets are on sale. Let's watch an X-Wing soar over moons like Endor's. I hope good will prevail. I want to watch a space fight. Light up swords and droids. May the force be with you. Do you want to see a Star War? I really want to see a Star War. Milk so blue. (laughs) (laughs) That's my Star Wars song. That welcome, I wrote it to everyone. <laughs> welcome everyone to the I Read Star Wars Comic Books Podcast Special. I'm your host, Kara Shamborski, with host Brian Murray, and we're so excited for Star Wars. Can you tell? It's a real thing around these parts. So excited. <laughs> I wrote that song parody at like two or three in the morning. I think I like couldn't sleep, and then all of a sudden I was like, this works. Let's take a Frozen song, but make it a Star Wars song. Uh, I love it, and I look forward to your album once we're done recording all this. <laughs> oh, man. Okay, so today, on today's show, it's our last show we're recording before we see Rise of Skywalker. So today we're going to be talking about Poe Dameron Volume 1, and then Age of Resistance Heroes and Age of Resistance Villains. And we're going to speculate a little bit about Rise of Skywalker. Um, But Brian, uh, had you read Poe Dameron prior to us reading it for this show? Yeah, I was picking up the single issues when they were coming out. And I I fell off because I I quit my job at one point and didn't have money for comics anymore. And then just never got back into it. But... I had forgotten some of the the fun stuff from this book. Oh, so fun. So first of all, the creative team on this is Charles Soule and Phil Noto, which like, how much money did you give them to work together and do it again, please? Because they're great. Yeah, that's a real dream team. Absolutely. Like, I am just so obsessed with Phil Noto's work. Like, he he did... um, that Black Widow series from a few years ago that I was like obsessed with because it's all mm-hmm. like his, his work's very um, painterly and he does he does the faces where you know who the people are like he he did the faces of for example Poe and Leia in this book where you they look like the actors but it's not like he traced their faces you know yeah it's not it's not close enough that it's kind of like uncanny valley but it's definitely close <laughs> enough that you could take one look and go oh that's Poe. Yeah, which I really appreciated. And then Charles Soule is just a phenomenal writer. I mean, I think at one point he was writing something ridiculous, like seven books at one time, plus a full-time lawyer job. And I'm like, how do you sleep? Do you sleep? (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. I think he just closes his eyes periodically. (laughs) Like whenever he blinks, that's a microsecond of sleep that keeps him going. (laughs) Every sneeze is... <laughs> it's like the equivalent uh, to a normal person's two hours of REM. <laughs> I love that this book started us off with the time honored tradition of a uh, hotshot rebel pilot flying through dangerous canyons. Yeah, it's like what defines a Star Wars movie and or story? Is there a hotshot pilot flying for, through a canyon? Is there uh, some kind of confrontation on a laughably unsafe structure that's over some kind of pit. Um, <laughs> is there a laser sword and is someone wearing a cool jacket? Congratulations, you've made a Star Wars. Yeah. <laughs> um, so this this story, I 
I th- I was also reading the single issues when they were coming out, but for a very brief period of time, like not even through this first trade, which is ridiculous because Poe Dameron's one of my favorite characters from the new trilogy. Uh, but I was excited to get back into it, and I'd completely forgotten that this story actually takes place prior to The Force Awakens because the the whole premise of the Poe Dameron series is that Leia has charged him with finding Lorsanteca, whom we see very briefly at the beginning of The Force Awakens, giving Poe the coordinates to Luke Skywalker. Yeah, and this also kind of covers like the founding of Black Squadron. Which is the squad, of course, that the nerds like us who read everything will know is Poe Squadron. <laughs> yes, yes, I suppose that that, that might not be clear. <laughs> I... I uh just finished listening to the audiobook of resistance reborn which is kind of like a prequel to rise of skywalker and there was a lot of black squadron in there so it was interesting for me to then go into this comic and see all these characters that i knew from much later in the series and be like wait you're flirting but you're married but oh the timeline's right yeah yeah yeah, snap and Mm -hmm. spoilers sorry (laughs) Sorry, everyone. Spoilers for everything Star Wars except Rise of Skywalker. Yeah, I mean, if, if you've listened to seven episodes of this by now, you, you gotta you know. know. You, you gotta know, know man. <laughs> uh, so it was nice to kind of put faces to uh, the characters that I'd been listening about and um, to kind of see them in action and see the nice team dynamic that they have going. And, you know, even though we... We're only starting to be introduced to the team in this Poe Dameron book. You can tell that Poe cares about his team a lot and he trusts them to get things done. And you're just like, oh, positive leadership. Good boy. Yeah, which is perfect when they're up doing with TIE Fighters and Poe is down in the in the caves with the egg. Yeah, what's up with that egg? Yeah, so Poe's like tracking down... the egg. Bring us the egg. <laughs> He's tracking down Lorsanteca. He's flying his canyon ship run star Wars cliche and he ends up in this cavern with this giant glowing egg and the people who like worship and care for the egg and then he very rapidly realizes that a first order agent got there before him dun 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 and so they had a tracker on his ship from from reasons for reasons that we don't still don't know about from reading volume one but i really liked the introduction of Agent Terex as the antagonist here because I get the sense that both Agent Terex and Poe are those like charismatic guys who are kind of used to talking their way out of anything. So Mm -hmm. it was really nice to see two characters with the same strengths kind of go head to head throughout this book. Yeah, it definitely I definitely got the vibe of like like Poe could have become Terex if he had been picked up by the First Order at a young age. But he wasn't because his mommy flew with Leia and they were all good guys. Poe is like the most wholesome character. Like they, yeah. they really designed him to be like the most rebellious rebel. To a fault, as we saw in The Last Jedi. Very much to a fault. Uh, so after after this this egg adventure which i i gotta say i just i love reading star wars comics because star wars comics have very little to no production budget so the artists can basically draw whatever they want whereas in a film you're obviously limited by like well we would like to make the big monster but then the big monster will take all of our money whereas in the Mm -hmm. comics it's just like i feel like drawing a big monster Therefore, I drew the yeah. big monster. So this, I feel like the Star Wars comics have a little bit more 
uh, world building capability than the films tend to have. They definitely lean into like the the weirdness yeah. that Star Wars can have. Because mm-hmm. like spoiler alert, but the egg breaks and it opens up, and then you just see like this raging beast fight that like wouldn't have been out of place in an old Adventures of Sinbad film that with like Ray Harryhausen characters. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we definitely just got like three pages of a kaiju fight and then it was back to poe as usual (laughs) and him just being like so a thing is happening and don't worry about it just worry about keeping the ships in the air and everyone's like what um and then the monsters break through the rocks and they're like what yep yep i i also was like what and then also thank you for being creative um, yeah. So Poe and his squad continue to search for Lor Santeca, which I suspect they'll be doing for probably the majority of the series. But I really want to talk about Gracchus the Hut. So oh yeah. So the so after the egg adventure, they go on to talk to Gracchus the Hut in prison because that's presumably where Lor Santeca went next. And if you had been reading the Star Wars comic series, that's gone for what like thirteen or fourteen trades now. Like, Something like that, yeah. Yeah, so in the Star Wars comic series, you meet the character Gracchus the Hutt when Luke is going... Like, Luke encounters Gracchus the Hutt because Gracchus the Hutt has a lot of, like, Jedi and Sith memorabilia. And then he's just like, by the way, you'll be a great addition to my collection. And Luke's like, no? So <laughs> it was kind of nice to see where Gracchus ended up, even if it was in prison. But of course, he's like big man on campus in the prison yeah and in the most judge dread ass name prison i've ever seen <laughs> megalox beta <laughs> like it's so judge dread that i think paul just perked up somewhere <laughs> i just oh man like gracchus the hut is so great because he's like a really like we're when we think of huts, we're so used to thinking of jabba just kind of like sitting on his dais going ho 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 but Gracchus is like clearly this muscle bound hut. He's made these little like metal spider legs to help him crawl around. And he's much more intimidating than I think any of the other huts we've seen in any of the extended Star Wars media. And it was just such a delight to see him just be like, um, yeah, so Poe and Terex, yeah, you guys get to fight over who breaks me out. And then I'll tell them where Lors Anteca went. And you're like, of course that's perfect what a great plot yeah it was a really good way of really good way of like getting poeterix to clash again Mm -hmm. i really appreciated it i i normally pay attention more to characters than plot but this was a very very nice plot device yeah and we we didn't mention it uh fans of the book will recognize terex's ship uh, as the carrion spike from tarkin oh yeah i was one like somehow this weasel got Tarkin's fancy ass spaceship. Ooh, yeah. I w- I was reading the name and I was like Carrion Spike. Where have I heard Carrion Spike before? So I'm I'm glad that you knew off the top of your head. Yeah, because I remember thinking it was such a wild name for a ship. It's a terrific name for a ship, and it's better because it's literally shaped like a spike. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, which Terex just kind of flies directly through a space station. And everyone's, in this. everyone's like, what? And I'm like, this is Star Wars. Everyone flies spaceships through spaceships all the time. That's starting to be a new cliche. Yeah. Oh, it's happened 
twice in the uh, <laughs> the books we read for this episode right? alone. Uh, I, we'll get to that yeah, later. Yeah, yeah. We're getting ahead of ourselves. We're gonna we're gonna go uh, to another thread that takes us through this whole I read Star Wars comic books adventure, which is droids are everything. Like droids really don't get enough credit, and the more I read about them, the more concerned I am about their place in the societal hierarchy of the galaxy, regardless of who's in charge. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> like the droids of Black Squadron are completely instrumental in getting our gals and guys out of prison, and there it's. You would think that it's hard to follow action sequences with droids in comics, but Phil Noto finds a way. And you see these like little astromechs basically like fighting their way to the top of this prison station to like turn off the gravity or turn on the gravity and make it so that Black Squadron can can get away safely. And I'm just like, do these droids have a salary? Are they unionized? Do they have protections? Like, Jess Pavas just keep getting destroyed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, don't the, the droids have, like, a nickname for her? The Great Destroyer, I <laughs> <Yeah>. think. <laughs> Which is also, like, clearly something that was built up through this series, but again, like, was very clearly referenced in Resistance Reborn. And she's like, the droids are scared yeah. of me. And I'm like, well, now I see why. I'm like one is one volume into Poe Dameron, and you've already fried two of them. That's not a great track record. Yeah, because I think hers was the the blue R5, mm-hmm. right? The one that just gets like crushed <laughs> like a beer can and thrown down oh, a poor hole. Baby. I mean, to be fair, that wasn't I loved him so much. To be fair, that was not her fault expressly. It just was yeah. bad luck that that was the second one to get destroyed that technically belonged to her which again can droids belong to people if they're sentient and have personalities if they don't have a restraining bolt are they really owned or is it a partnership i have so so many questions my my favorite droid from this uh, this issue though was uh the forklift droid that bridal carried Tarex back onto his ship (laughs) at the end when he was like crushed to the ground under super gravity <laughs> and this droid just kind of like comes out and scoops him up. <laughs> it was a very, very cute moment. And I'm just like, well, Tarek's like has slaves. So clearly he views droids the same way. Did he thank that droid for saving his life or did he just expect that droid to save his life? So many questions. Uh, He's a bad dude. It, I still feel sorry for what happens to him, though. Oh, go ahead and read more of Poe Dameron if you want to find out what I'm talking about, because we don't have time. To I get will into be it. going to read more of Poe Dameron. But first, let's let's uh, get into the age of resistance, since these are the comics directly leading up to Rise of Skywalker. Uh, let's talk about some heroes, Brian. I would love to talk about some heroes, especially because we get to start off with our uh, our number one mop boy, <laughs> uh, Finn. <laughs> Let's make t-shirts. <laughs> Number one mop boy. Number one mop boy shirts. <laughs> Those are really sweet stories. So uh, so Age of Resistance Heroes opens up with this really like kind of adorable story about Finn during his time as a stormtrooper working sanitation. And I don't think it was made clear in the films at all that working sanitation for the First Order is a lot more interesting than Finn made it out to be. Uh yeah yeah definitely because uh, my dad was a janitor and he never had to flamethrower a cave full of bats <laughs> or anything. 
and it, this is a nice story where we see Finn basically being ordered to help take care of this infestation of bats that are like, I guess, kind of adjacent to the things that like suction onto the windows of the Falcon and Empire. And yeah, they're Minoc sort of. Yeah, maybe a little cuter once they stop shooting. Yeah, yeah. Once they're once they calm down, they're actually very adorable. They're so cute. So Finn is like, wait a minute. You said this is an infestation, but I think they were here first. And his commanding officer was like, and now they need to not be here. And Finn, like, figures out that he can just smuggle all the bat creatures off planet using his role as a sanitation worker. To which I just have additional questions, such as how did he lure all these bat creatures onto a garbage truck with him? Yeah. It's like, it just stretches credulity. But I also like that it was showing Finn starting to be like, wait a minute, are we doing the right thing here? Is this the way? Yeah, for sure. It makes it a lot more clear why he was so ready to jump on a ship with Poe and escape. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, there's a story about Poe in here, which I would rather call an Admiral Haldo story. <laughs> Spoilers. <laughs> oh, for sure. Uh, I don't know. The, like, I couldn't get into this one because the art felt a little static for the kind of story it was. Yeah, it was very pretty, but it wasn't, like, super dynamic. Yeah, but uh, I did I did appreciate that um, it kind of showed us Poe Dameron even prior to his time in Black Squadron. This is Poe when he's still flying for the New Republic Navy uh, prior to joining the Resistance. So you kind of get to see him in that dynamic. Yeah, this is this is like when he finds out about the Resistance, essentially. Mm-hmm. By chasing Admiral Holdo through an asteroid field. <laughs> you know, as one does. As one must. Mm. I, I did love how they, they made the, the exogorths, the space lugs, actually look cool. I mean, it had to happen at some point, Brian. Yeah, yeah. It's just like now that we're not dealing with like a 1980 potato puppet thing. <laughs> like... Oh my god, it is a potato puppet. That's a great description. Yeah, now they look all like sleek and sharp and deadly. Mm-hmm. They still make zero sense because, you know, they giant space slugs. <laughs> but but they look cool, so <laughs> that's Star Wars, baby. <laughs> <laughs> um, I wanna I wanna hop ahead while we're talking about Holdo to the Holdo story in this collection because it is my favorite one in the collection. And it was very cute. It, it's so cute. And the creative team, they got G. Willow Wilson to write it and Elsa Charretier to draw it. Like, mind blown. Give them everything. Give them the whole series. Like, oh my God, those are like two of my favorite creators in comics right now. And you gave them one story out of this whole collection. I mean, thank you, but also give me more. <laughs> yeah, because I think that was in like the the one shot that had like the Maz Kanata story in it too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it was only like seven or eight pages or something like that. Yeah, but it was great. It's like showing pe- it's basically showing people underestimating Holdo because of like who what her history is as like a senator and how she looks and like you see her dyeing her hair. And then Yeah, what'd she do with that plant though? I don't you know what? Don't <laughs> ask questions, Brian. Don't ask questions you want to know the answer to. <laughs> Sorry, please continue. <laughs> 
But it's just basically showing like shit going sideways on a ship she's on and her assuming command and like executing a perfect plan to get free. But like, I'm just, the art is so cute. And I'm just like trying to think of a moment like, does, does Elsa Charitier like ever draw a woman who doesn't have short dark nails? Like, I'm trying to think. I feel like every time I've seen her draw something, the women are always have, like, short black nails, and it's extremely 2009 Uhura and Star Trek, and I love it. But I'm also <laughs> like, is this, like, an aesthetic that we should be, like, appreciating more? I don't know. It's just, like, a little quirk that I noticed. And I'm like, but Halda would have short, dark nails because they're punky and practical. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I appreciate you nodding and smiling on that one, Brian. <laughs> like, yeah, short, dark nails. That's exactly what that telegraphs. Thank you. <laughs> I, I, I didn't notice it, and I have no frame of reference on it, but you are the expert when it comes to nails no, and adornment. No polish. So. <laughs> Thanks. I, I, oh, it's so bad, Brian. I counted my nail polishes the other day, and this is after I got rid of a bunch of them. I have 72 bottles of nail polish. I'm a little embarrassed, but did also... You, did you get more when you bought that star wars thing though the star wars nail polish or star wars makeup kit there was star wars makeup there was not star wars polish yes i was on the mailing list for the pat mcgrath star wars collection i got the dark galaxy palette i wanted it sold out within 24 hours so i'm glad i got on that right away i have no regrets and i'm really excited to get that palette but i do not currently have star wars nail polish but now that haldo is having short dark nails in this i can just paint my short nails with any dark polish and feel a little closer to her aesthetically i don't know if i'm quite at purple hair levels but you know oh you'll get there 2020 is a new year (laughs) yeah yeah we're all Uh, gonna need to distract ourselves with something (laughs) (laughs) why not star wars i'm sure we'll be able to ride the baby yoda train well into 2020 but we're getting a little sidetracked. <laughs> Us? Uh, really? No. Really? Really? Uh, let's talk about the Tico sisters, Rose and Paige. Because, I'd love to. So I read this story late last night. And I should probably just not read anything emotional late at night because I get weepy. And I got a little teary-eyed at the, the Rose and Paige story. Because it's kind of like their origin story. And it mm-hmm. did not go the way I thought it was going to, and it made me very sad. Yeah, yeah, they did just enough to establish like what a great family the Ticos are before taking them away. <laughs> and then, like, basically, the girls have joined the resistance when they find out that everything they've been fighting for has been destroyed, and they're like, "Let's take a ship and blow something up, and we don't care." And rah, and Leia like intercepts them, and she's like, "Hey." I know where you're coming from. And I was like, oh, my God. Right. You know exactly where they're coming from. Your planet was mm-hmm. literally destroyed in front of you. Like, oh, I, th- I think it's easy to forget that about Leia. Because you're so used to being like, well, Luke's her family and Vader's her dad. But like, she had parents who raised her. And now she doesn't have them anymore. And the fact that she just keeps going and keeps doing the right thing, despite everything she's lost, is insane. Team Leia. Yeah, 100%. Uh, I loved their their little... The Tico sisters had a simulator at the beginning, though, and they were practicing flying in a Z-95 headhunter. It was so cute. Little, little stubby little proto X-Wing. Mm-hmm. 
It was so and, sweet. Uh, I, I love how they managed to establish like the wildly different personalities on these two. Mm-hmm. Where Paige is very like almost businesslike. She's very dedicated to like I'm gonna fly my ship and be a hero. Mm-hmm. And Rose is like, look at all these trees. <laughs> <laughs> and it, yeah, it's 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 like Paige is very focused. And Rose is very like, I would like to know everything about everything. Mm-hmm. Like, she's super curious. And I I liked reading this story and then kind of reflecting on Last Jedi because we see Paige for, what, like 30 seconds? And I don't think she At even most. speaks. But yeah. even from that moment, you see her just being like, nope, I'm going to do my job and I'm going to get it done. And that's that. And, like, we obviously see much more of Rose, but it it was nice that they kind of kept Paige's characterization consistent with the brief moment we saw her on screen. But speaking of Last Jedi, there's a Rey story in here that takes place, like, in... It, it, if it had existed in Last Jedi, it would have been a cutscene at the very beginning when she's, like... Or at the very end of Force Awakens where she's on her way to find Luke... In this comic, we find out she's actually waylaid and goes to this, like, garbage planet to get some items that she needs to repair the ship, where she basically pulls a 1970s CIA move and unseats a dictator. (laughs) Yeah, just kind of, like, casually, too. (laughs) Yeah, she's just like, Chewie's like, where where were you? And she's like, oh, I just kind of, like, overthrew a despot and put the slaves in charge. And it's like, and then they go on their way to find Luke. And I'm like, really, Ray? (laughs) Yeah. I... I do kind of wonder, like, why didn't she tell the the Resistance about this planet full of spaceships, though? Oh, you're so right. Like, there's literally usable ships on here. That's like the and whole she... plot of Resistance Reborn. <laughs> we need ships. <laughs> and Ray's there's like, a plot hole. oh, yeah, I just found this working fire spray. No big deal. <laughs> <laughs> I did not make that connection, but you're so right. This is a huge plot hole. Be better, Star Wars. Yeah. God. <laughs> <laughs> no one hates star wars more than star wars fans yeah <laughs> oh uh, man I, I love i love the the ray chewy dynamic you can tell that he is like 100 percent adopted her yeah he, he is her I mother mean, hen now oh it's really nice that when han said like chewy likes you in force awakens and you're like oh that's nice han but does that mean that like you like her and you're just uh-huh. using chewy as a proxy but now it's nice to know like no chewy really likes her and like that's that's why he's like yeah of course you can fly the falcon even though my like best friend of 40 years is now dead cool that's fine and i'm like what uh and we did get a little bit more of uh han and chewy in the little maz Kanata mini comic I gotta say, I I think it's because, I don't know if it's because they've just dropped Maz Kanata into, like, every piece of Star Wars media since Force Awakens, but I'm getting, like, I got a sense while reading this story that she's just kind of always been part of the Star Wars universe. Yeah. Which I know is not true, but, like, the more I think about it and the more I read stories with her in it, I'm like, this character completely makes sense to me, her role in this universe makes sense to me, and... I am just, I, you know, if, remembering a time before Maz Kanata, like, I can do it, 
but do I want to? I feel like she adds a lot. Well, just from the very nature of her knowing about the Force, but not being a Jedi or a Sith, was huge in terms of movie-based world building for the Star Wars universe. Yeah, and they've done a really good job of, they keep her so mysterious that it whatever she winds up in, like, yeah, it makes sense that she's here. Like, I don't have any reason why she wouldn't be here, so. Mm-hmm. And then we round out this collection with yet another story where without droids and specifically bb-8 everyone would have been dead so like really let's have a little bit more appreciation for the droids here people yeah and also can we can we please stop torturing them yes what tell see this is exactly my point like droids are sentient and should have rights and people should just stop putting restraining bolts on them because that's straight up slavery and mind control maybe a little bit can you mind control a droid and i just uh I just have yeah. so many feels about this. I feel like Hermione must have felt when forming, like... Spew. Spew. I was going to say the House Elf Liberation Front, and I'm like, Kara, that's too deep a cut. Do the real name. <laughs> 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 oh. Let's but talk yeah, about some villains, Brian. Let's let's talk about some villains. Speaking of droid torture. Speaking of droid torture. Uh, so, I read the, the Phasma book and i feel like the phasma story in this age of resistance villains comic is a great spiritual successor to that book absolutely like the book you're you're hearing about phasma's origins as basically someone who's living in a hellhole of a planet who has to put survival over everything else and that aspect of her personality which doesn't quite always make it to the films i don't think translated very nicely in comic book form with her own spotlight oh yeah i mean she's had like four minutes of screen time in the films so she doesn't really have a personality there (laughs) unfortunately because she is like this series is boba fett if we're if we're Mm -hmm. being honest like yeah looks super cool says nothing dies quickly yeah by falling into a pit i don't know i still think she's out there somewhere i'm holding out hope they said she died. They said she died. Listen. <laughs> <laughs> I just that's such a waste of Gwendolyn Christie. It really is. And like I even felt that while reading this story because she has her helmet off for one scene talking to a stormtrooper. She's basically like, you know, you're too soft. And but through that whole scene, her face is either obscured by her drinking out of a cup or in shadow. And I'm like, I'm sorry, are we just never supposed to see Phasma's face? Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I did love that that trooper she's talking to KM8713 mm-hmm. which I wrote down only because I was like oh Poe would name her Kim oh oh you're so right he would <laughs> oh, and man. fortunately you know nothing bad happened to her and mm-hmm. um <laughs> yeah uh, I, I did also appreciate the quick reference to Phasma's armor like She's like, this armor is worth more than you. And I'm like, ooh, that's a little harsh. But also, if we're thinking in the grand scheme of galactic history, 100 years from now, when you're dead, yeah, a museum would probably really want to have this armor that you've crafted from one of Emperor Palpatine's old Naboo pleasure cruisers. Like, yeah, that's that's probably an item of historical value someday. We could even call it priceless. But can you say something priceless is comparable to... A humanoid life 
And now we're getting into Star Wars philosophy. Yeah, which we're not allowed to do anymore. <laughs> because it all just comes back to droids and also the Jedi suck and the Sith yeah. also suck and basically everyone sucks. <laughs> everyone sucks except for Holdo. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, uh, speaking th- of everybody who sucks, uh, let's talk about let's Hux. Talk about Hux. <laughs> this is actually my favorite story in this collection because yeah. it was really funny while also being <laughs> super dark. Yeah, that's that's like Hux's character in a nutshell. <laughs> uh, I'll wait. I'll hold for General Hugs. General Hugs. <laughs> it's Hux. Um, so <laughs> just him getting punked on is my favorite thing in Star Wars. <laughs> uh so in in this story Hux and Kylo Ren are stranded on this planet and we also see kind of a flashback to Hux's childhood which as you might have guessed not great not not a great childhood. Um but you get really get to see the dynamic of Hux and Ren in here which I always appreciate. Uh, mostly, admittedly, because of that emo Kylo Ren parody Twitter account, <laughs> where they're like, where they're like really gross high school boy besties. But like, I think that their dynamic in the movies is also kind of apparent, where they've got this rivalry going, and they're kind of peers. And obviously, that gets upended at the end of Last Jedi. But this this comic definitely takes place in that period of time where they're both kind of like vying for daddy snoke's attention yeah they desperately want senpai to notice them <laughs> uh and they've got some pretty good banter in this series but then you also get to see hux being completely ruthless when he just totally manipulates this dude that they find on this planet they've been stranded on is like an alderanian palace guard who's just been cut off from the rest of the galaxy for the past 30 years 40 years and he and Hux is automatically like, well, did you know you're talking to Leia Organa's son right there? And please let us use your communications array. And by the way, we're going to leave you on this planet and maybe blow it up for target practice. Bye. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah just... And then he murders a guy who made fun of him when he was a kid at the end. <laughs> yep. So this story is like a great encapsulation of Hux's character and shows you how like unintentionally hilarious and very intentionally terrifying he is. And I thought it worked very well. Yeah, uh, I I did love the moment where there's like a, a monster jumping out of the bushes at him and Kylo Ren and Ren's just like, get behind me. And he looks over his shoulder and Hux is like disappearing into the undergrowth. <laughs> <laughs> but also that's kind that of their they dynamic. Gave Kylo Ren. They gave Kelly Ren a line like, really? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, should you really be surprised? Should you really be surprised? Like, no. Yeah. But it was terrific. Um, I'm just Brian, I'm just not into the character of Snoke. Like, I understand his function in the story, but in the in this collection, he's got a story where he basically takes Kylo Ren to that cave on Dagobah where Luke had his training. And I'm mm-hmm. like, I feel like the mystery is just annoying at this point. Like, unless there's a really cool reveal in Rise of Skywalker, I'm just going to be like, well, Snoke was a character and now he's not. And that's it. Yeah, it's a, it's a real like wasted potential kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Like the they established this like weird, spooky, mysterious character. And then, you know, he gets cut in half by his own hubris. Literally. 
Which actually brings up another question I had. Do you think this Snoke story takes place before or after The Force Awakens? I feel like it's before. I don't... I th- I feel like it's before also, but I just... I was confused because... So in this cave, Kylo Ren like literally faces his parents and he like can't bring himself to strike them but then he very much does strike han solo so i'm just like dude can we like get you a therapist somebody to talk to do you need help like yeah this poor kid i mean i obviously obviously he's responsible for his own actions but like he's also very clearly being manipulated and like dragged around and i'm just like oh this kid yeah, just give him a fistful of Valium and a nap. Like, <laughs> maybe he just needs like a hard reset, you know? <laughs> Is there a reset button on burgeoning Sith Lords? Yeah, can we control-alt-delete this human man? <laughs> oh, man. Oh, but... um, So there's this Kylo Ren story in this collection, and I think it's the most interestingly drawn story in this whole collection. So they do a lot with the layouts to show these parallels between how Kylo Ren handles a situation versus how Darth Vader handles a situation. Cause Kylo Ren that was really cool. Right. Cause so Kylo Ren goes to this planet where Vader had sort of a victory. He like managed a situation, but didn't fix the situation. And Kylo Ren's basically like, I'm going to go fix the situation that grandpappy couldn't. So <laughs> <laughs> sorry. Grandpappy really got me there. <laughs> it just came to me. I'm sorry. Um, but this, this story is also a great example of how comics can really go there with star Wars characters. Like the natives mm-hmm. on this planet are, I think twice the height of the humans and they're they're basically Hagrid sized. They're like twice the height and three times the width. And they're just like, well, we're expanding our own little empire. And Kylo's like, no, you are not. And then they fight. And whoever made this story definitely watched the first men in black movie like a hundred times before making it because the, the like end scene in that movie is literally what happens in this story. And I was like, okay, did, is there another way to oh. deal with creatures that look like cockroaches? Yeah, that's a good point. I didn't think about that. It's literally the end of Men in Black, which like isn't a bad thing. It's just, you know, maybe make the creature not look exactly like the creature from Men in Black. Yeah, the the at the end the the quote unquote god of the of the civilization pops out and it's a Zillow beast, as uh Clone Wars fans might recognize as being like this weird indestructible noodly tapeworm looking guy mm-hmm. and uh kylo ren does exactly what i was screaming at my tv while watching clone wars which is kill it from the inside <laughs> he got there you know it took like 50 years to get there but someone figured it out <laughs> yeah, exactly <laughs> yeah I, I you were absolutely right about the parallels because there's one page in particular i remember where on one side it's Vader and on the other side it's Kylo Ren and you can just see how Vader is very like almost calmly taking care of business mm-hmm. 
killing these these guys and kylo ren is just like screaming and raging the whole while because he's it's just a a really good contrast because kylo ren is a kid who needs a nap brian yeah yeah he's exactly like my nephew he's been running around all day his parents haven't picked him up from school yet it's like 5 30 p.m he hasn't had a nap he's had like two snacks and is just running on fumes this kid needs to lie down in the grass outside (laughs) maybe that maybe that could solve star wars everybody could just lay down in the grass outside for a minute (laughs) look up at the stars have a real lion king moment with it just have a juice have a juice and a lie down (laughs) I think we solved Star Wars. Everyone just like take a nap and calm down and it'll be okay. Um, All right, well, good news. This is the last episode then. We don't need to uh, come back and talk about the last movie because we've already we fixed, fixed it. it. Uh, there are a couple more details I, I want to point out from this collection and then we'll talk about our Rise of Skywalker predictions. So... Um, I like the inclusion in this Kylo Ren story of a former Imperial stormtrooper because it makes sense that a bunch of them would still be, you know, alive and around and maybe Mm -hmm. involved in the First Order or not to varying degrees. So it was nice to see one included and explicitly included because he was at the battle that Vader was at. And Kylo Ren was like, basically like, hey, I need like validation and you're here. So what's up? Um I liked that the big Hagrid-sized monsters, uh, the king had a necklace of stormtrooper helmets to give you a sense of the scale. Oh, yeah. That was a great detail that I enjoyed. Um, and then at the back of this collection with the variant covers, there's this variant cover where it's like, uh, I guess, like a greatest hits collection, like greatest Star Wars scenes. And it's Luke battle- battling Vader in the... Uh, Emperor's throne room and the Empire has like a really terrifying smile in this image that is going to give me nightmares <laughs> so like I just I can't look at it it's like someone got it's it's like someone shot him up with some of that like Joker drug from um, uh, Batman Begins or no not Batman Begins what's the one with Terry McGinnis that I'm blanking on uh Batman Forever? Mm-hmm. No, but no. tweet me with the oh tweet God. me with the title. We'll Google it anyway. That one. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but see, I'm just gonna have nightmares about Kylo Ren's high waisted pants because <laughs> that's so high. High waists are in Brian. Haven't you been paying attention to women's fashion? Everything's the 70s. Uh, well, I mean, no, but. <laughs> But I don't think they go that high because these suckers are like almost nipple high. (laughs) We have to move on from that unless we're going to see it again in Rise of Skywalker. Like time will tell. (laughs) Yeah. So what do you think we'll see in Rise of Skywalker from the hints that we've now seen dropped in varying media? Um, Well, one thing that I did notice is... Uh, the the guy on all uh, the Alderanian Royal Guard that we talked about had a real beat up blockade runner, like much like the Tantive Four from A New Hope. And in one of the uh, one of the Rise of Skywalker trailers, we see a beat up blockade runner 
rising up out of a forest. Ooh, I forgot about that. And so a little part of me is like, is this is this that guy? Oh, is it the guy? Hmm. Um, I am interested to see what they do with the emperor. Um, as listeners who have been following us for the whole I Read Star Wars comic books special remember from our Alphabet Squadron episode, that book was boring, but it had some cool foreshadowing about the emperor and what he might have been doing. Uh, basically, like those creepy robots that are just kind of lingering maybe with messages from the emperor. I feel like we'll see some version of that in rise of Skywalker. Um, I think that uh, my hope is that we'll see some kind of through line from the Emperor to Snoke so that it doesn't feel like Snoke was just kind of this random character created to be an Emperor stand-in. Like, I'd like to have some sort of resolution on that. And I... Yeah. And I think that everyone's saying, like, oh, what's the rise of Skywalker? I think it's basically gonna be, like, that's the new kind of force-wielder thing. Like, not necessarily Jedi and following the Jedi Order, but because Luke Skywalker is now, like, this whispered legend throughout the galaxy, that either Mm -hmm. it'll be something to do with, like, his legend and maybe the Jedi or maybe Skywalker will be, like, a new order of force users that are maybe a little less rigid. And, um, yeah, I kind of want to see Kylo Ren redeemed. Maybe Ray will put him down for a nap and he'll be okay. Yeah, I... Uh, don't have time to go into the whole thing, but I listened to a podcast called Imaginary Worlds that did a whole episode on redemption recently, like redemption in media, mm-hmm. and that that definitely made me think a lot about what I want to see for Kylo Ren because yeah. they point out that a redemption followed immediately by death is basically meaningless, like like Vader's redemption, like mm-hmm. we never got to see him. Live make it. amends for his actions or face a tribunal or anything like that yeah like, he just said i'm good now and then died <laughs> and then got to be a force ghost <laughs> but okay so since we've established that he's a force ghost my question then becomes why haven't we seen him yet as a force ghost and can he please appear in rise of skywalker and be like ben what the fuck <laughs> <laughs> yeah seriously we if, if if nothing else, I just want to see Hayden Christensen again. <laughs> I mean, he tried. He really did. He just yeah. didn't have chemistry with anyone. And is that his fault? Or is it the casting director's fault? Or is it the scriptwriter's fault? We could talk about the prequels all day. It's just whose fault was it? It could have been great. Why wasn't it great? Uh, join us join us for our next series. That's just me and Kara saying, and then another thing about the prequels. <laughs> the prequels. I have thoughts. The Kara and Brian story. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Uh, any any last thoughts before uh, we wrap up our comic book journey? No, there was something that I thought of that I, that I, I was like, oh, that's a really good thing to say. And then it completely fled my mind. And I'm so mad about, about you, it you right can, now you can tweet it later brian it's okay 
I will uh, at three o'clock in the morning. So uh, my last thought is this has been such a joy. I mean, giving yourself the homework of reading so many Star Wars comics in the months leading up to the new movie. Like we did it. We did the thing, Brian. We read them all. We talked about them all. We are as ready as people could be for Rise of Skywalker. And now we just got to make it one more week. Just got to make it one more week. And uh, the next episode we record will be full spoilers for Rise of Skywalker. And we will be sure to remind everyone that it will be full spoilers at the very beginning of the recording and not halfway through like we usually remember to do. Yeah, I mean... Let's not make any promises we can't keep. But. <laughs> I'm optimistic, Brian. I have to have hope. That's the only thing keeping everything about this series going. <laughs> yeah. Something, something, spark that lights the fire. Right? <laughs> uh, well, everyone, thank you for listening to the I Read Star Wars Comics Books podcast presented by I Read Comic Books, the podcast. Uh, this show was first aired on the IRCB Patreon at patreon.com slash IRCB podcast. Special thanks to all of you wonderful supporters out there. Thanks for keeping the lights on. You can send us feedback about this show at ircbpodcast at gmail.com and check out our website, ircbpodcast.com, for our Discord, zines, and all things IRCB. You can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at ircbpodcast. This show was produced by Brian Murray and Kara Shamborski, edited by Xander Riggs, with Mike Rappin as executive producer. Thanks for listening, and may the force be with you. 